I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to another all-new Nerd Alert. Forgive us, we know we've been gone a while, it's been a couple weeks since we posted an episode, and we apologize. Um, we got busy, we got under the weather, uh, if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm still getting over whatever it is I have, because no one could tell me what I have. I know what it's not, but no one could tell me what it is. Anyway... <laughs> I apologize in advance for my uh, my voice not being as sultry and dulcet as it usually is, uh, and probably for the amount of coughing I'm going to do. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum and mute the mic and move away and you know be professional about it, but something's going to get through. Anyway, we're back now. Here we are. Uh, if you, I hope you enjoyed Spooky Season. Uh, we still have one big episode for Spooky Season we haven't gotten a chance to record yet. So we may very well be doing a spooky season in December episode uh, once <laughs> Commander Scott is back from his roundabout trip. Sorry, his runabout trip. Uh, so yes, Commander Scott not here tonight. So it's just myself and my right-hand man, the man who's joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a DeLorean or a blue phone box or a regular phone box or... And in an inordinate amount of phone boxes as time machines. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's the doc. And back at you with yet another segment of things that my middle school film class said. I'm glad you introduced the topic this time, Jay. It's improvement and I appreciate it. I have one for you. We watch just one. Oh, we have I have a couple. Okay. So we're getting into genre. One of the genres we watched was action adventure. So, of course, for action adventure, we watched Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, 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 no. You watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. We watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you, sir. You're better than that. And you know it. Anyway, one of my students said to me, Mr. LePage, are there more of these? Yes. And you said yes, two. Yes, there, there are, are exactly two. He said, there are, are there more of these? And I said, yes. And then he said something that cut me deep to my core, and okay. I still haven't recovered. Oh, boy. Okay. Are they better than this one?
Automatic fail. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Do not no. pass go. Do not collect what? your diploma. This is, this is a great movie. Go home um, and rethink your life. We also... Uh, <laughs> we got around to watching Ghostbusters. Uh, Never heard of it. They They enjoyed it. They said... They said it was a. They said this is a comedy, and they're like, "Oh yeah," because we've been like, I've been trying to show them movies that have more than just one element to it, like, okay. like it's yes, Ghostbusters is a comedy, but it's also got other genre aspects to it. So that's kind of what we've been talking about is like pinpointing what what where you would put a movie. Oh, that reminds me, I said, where would you put a movie in the blockbuster? And they went the what? Never they don't know what that is. But I am very happy to report we was we just watched Jaws, and one student said that it has moved to the top of his list and that he's going to have to watch it again. And another movie, uh, another student said that this is the second best movie we've watched in film. What was his first favorite? Jurassic Park. Okay. So. Okay. Is, Fair. Which I had to get a parent permission slip for them to watch Jurassic Park. But, but we could watch Jaws because <laughs> it's PG. PG. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share. Um, PG phone home. I also had one student that uh, he didn't want to watch Jaws and then he got sucked into Jaws. And then he, at the end of it, he goes, yeah, it's not that bad of a movie. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't even know why you were worried about it to begin with. <laughs> Put some respect on that kid. It's the movie that coined the phrase blockbuster. Not the video store, the, the yep. tentpole summer movie thing. Anyway. I digress. We both do. So, our first week back, post-spooky season, mostly post-sickness. Um, Jay came up with a pretty cool topic. Uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Well, thank you. Uh, you're... Okay, I'm going to take some of it back now. Uh, So today we are discussing, as Jay put it in his text, movie casts that outkick their coverage. If you're not a sports ball person, basically what that means is um, film casts that surpass the movie they're in. If, If you've ever been walking down the street and you see a very subpar to par looking gentleman with just a smoke show of a lady with him that is an example of out kicking your coverage because yeah it'll be either myself or jay yes fair how the hell did they do that mistakes were made rings were put on fingers it was too late paperwork got involved she wasn't wearing her glasses and was squinting one eye when she swiped right. I don't I don't know. She just... kept coming back, though. Because <laughs> once you get a taste of the dock, there ain't no other. Never mind. I'm not going to. Okay, workshop that. <laughs> Something so, rhymed with dock, but I wasn't going there. Yep, so we're talking movie casts that way surpassed the film they were actually in. Uh, and to give you an example of that, uh, Jay, I think you've got a good one for the first first example. I do. So um, this is what inspired me. I saw a video 
because I like to watch the TikToks. I'm down with the times. I I I get the videos on my Tiki Takis and watch them. And sometimes they post clips of movies, and I was like, oh my god, I forgot this movie existed. So instead of just busting out the title of the movie, I'm going to run down this list, okay? I'm going to run through the list of actors. The other ones, I'll give you the movie and then talk about who's in it, but... Okay. Danny Glover. Brenda Fricker. Tony Danza. Christopher Lloyd. Ben Johnson. Jay Sanders. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Neil McDonough. If you don't know Neil McDonough, you know Neil McDonough. Adrian Brody, Matthew McConaughey, and Dermot Mulroney. That is a list. It's very, very all over the map list, too. Yes. All these names were in one movie together in 1994. That movie... So Joseph Gordon-Lovett was like 13? Yes. Okay. That movie, Angels in the Outfield. Oh, God. (laughs) If you're not familiar with Angels in the Outfield, I believe it was Disney. You're not a 90s kid. Yeah, I believe it was Disney... And the premise was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character asks God for assistance with life and the angels, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or at the time, the California Angels would have been the baseball team. And uh, the angels are assisted by actual angels. Danny Glover plays the manager uh, of the baseball team, and he basically hires Joseph Gordon-Levitt to let him know whenever he sees an angel. And the angels go on to win lots and lots of games. Um, Tony Danza is a pitcher with lung cancer. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is Al, the He's head, the head angel. angel, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, Who was Matthew McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey was the center fielder that gets picked up by the Angel. God. Adrian Brody is the guy that they pinch hit. He's getting his shoulders rubbed by an Angel, and they put him in to hit. See, as you're describing this, I remember all these scenes, but I cannot picture those actors in them. Yeah. Uh, Dermot Mulroney is the dad. He's actually Joseph Gordon-Levitt's real dad, and he comes to get him. And then they're like, no. Um, Again, I remember that scene vividly now that you're describing it, but I cannot picture that actor. Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough from, uh, oh, the movie Arrow, with Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise movie. Um, uh, uh, Minority Report. Minority Report. Uh, what else is Neil McDonough in? Is he in uh, season two of Yellowstone? In... He was in season four or five of Green Arrow. Was he uh, in? He was, um, he was Tin Man in the Tin Man sci-fi movie. Um, hold on, hold on. Band of Brothers. Wasn't he in Band of Brothers? Yes, he well? was. Buck okay. Compton. Yeah. That Neil McDonough. That one plays a pitcher. He's a pitcher that chews a lot of bubble gum, and he comes set like eight times. He. <laughs> Again, I remember the gag with the sets. Yes. Sets. And it sets again. Uh, One more time. 
some of the other names that I listed, you might not recognize the name like Brenda Fricker, but she's the 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 foster mom. She has a familiar face. So like if you mm-hmm. see her face, you're like, I know her from things. If you're a 90s kid, she was the bird lady in Home Alone 2. Yep, Home Alone 2. Uh, again, like Ben Johnson and Jay Sanders are two more guys that like you say their name. And you're like, okay, that name doesn't ring a bell. But when you see their faces, you're like, oh, my God, they were in all these other movies that I've seen. Uh, So this cast, I mean, look at all these. Yes, they became big. Some of them were big at the time, like Christopher Lloyd and Tony Danza Mm -hmm. and Danny Glover. Mm -hmm. Some of them became big. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Neil McDonough, Adrian Brody, Matthew McConaughey. But just the star power alone in that one cast. And it's a 1994 throwaway Disney live action. 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, this score. That seems harsh. (laughs) Now, look, it's a goofy movie. But for its premise, it's a fun, lighthearted family comedy sort of sports movie like it's not egregiously offensively bad. Like, I don't get the 32%. No. It, and like I was saying before we started recording, Obi John and I were talking about this. It's not bad, but it's also not good. Yeah, it's like with that cast, <clears throat> you could do way better. And there's no, like, niche that it falls into. Like you said, is it a sports movie? Is it a feel-good, like, Jesus-y type movie? Is it... You know, is it a Disney movie, really? Like a live action Disney? I mean, that's I think that's who put it out, but like it's all over the map. You know, Danny Glover ends up adopting the kids. It's just like a I don't know. It wants to be a feel good sports movie, but at the same time, it's not a feel good sports movie. It's weird. Weird, weird movie. Big name cast, but uh yeah, that's my first one. Did that come out the same year as? Oh shit! What was that called? Rookie of the oh, year. Yeah, rookie of the year. That's the same year. With the the kid that busts his arm. It would have been around that time. I'm not sure. Let me look. I can look. I was trying to look give me, up. Give me one second here. Rookie. Of the 1993 was rookie of the year, so the year before, yeah, okay. But then we also got hit with Little Big League. I'm not familiar with that one. in 1994. So Little Big League is the uh, with with Billy, I can't think of his last name, is the character. His grandpa dies and he takes over as the owner of the twins. And he names himself manager. I vaguely remember that one. And they actually got Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. to be in the movie. And, like, they got other baseball players to be in. Yeah, it was the 90s. Uh, But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, we got slammed with three, like, little kid. Kid takes over a baseball team movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. two years. So, there you go. Angels in the outfield. That. That's a whopper. That. Yeah. We got a taxidermy back, taxidermy man back home that's gonna have all, all gonna have a heart attack when he sees what I brought him. There we Close go. Close enough. 
That is a deep reach, Jay. Uh, <laughs> way to set the bar. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to steal your format for this one, Jay. Okay. <clears throat> this is the first movie that came to mind when you brought this topic up. Okay. Like, it immediately popped in my head. Got it. <clears throat> However, this cast between them has... I'm going to list these. Uh, two, three, five Academy Award nominations... One Academy Award winner, five Primetime Emmy Award nominations, two BAFTA nominations, um, and three SAG uh, nominations between this cast. Okay. Numi Rapace, Charlize Theron, Idris Elba, Guy Pierce, Sean Harris, pre-MCU Benedict Wong, Patrick Wilson, and Michael Fassbender. 2012's Prometheus. (laughs) And Jay's face perfectly encapsulates. Oh, no. (laughs) You were listing the people, and I was like, who, who... What movie were all these people in together? Oh, God. Yeah, if you forgot half those people are in that movie, it's okay, because none of them have fuck all to do in this movie. Um, Look, my my love-hate for Prometheus is long-storied on this show. If you've listened for any point in time, you know I I hate this movie, but I I also love this movie. I I don't think it's good, but I can't quite say it's bad. Uh, It's disappointing. I can call it that. Yes. Um, but one of the ways in which it's disappointing is, again, this cast is amazing. Once again, Numi Rapace, Michael Fassbender, Charlize Theron, Idris Elba, Guy Pierce, Sean Harris, Benedict Wong, Patrick Wilson. And that's just me kind of cherry picking cast members. There's even more cast members I'm not listing. Um, this was a phenomenal cast that you could have done any number of amazing Shakespearean plays uh, or, or uh, you know, murder mystery thrillers, or, you know, if, if this was the cast of the next uh, uh, Hercule Poirot, said it right the first time, uh, uh, the next, uh, you know, like murder on the Orient Express kind of movie, you'd be like, Oh wow, that's a cool cast. This is a great cast. Uh, very talented. And man, it would have been awesome to see them work together as a cast. But what this movie does, Newman Rapace is pretty much the only person who gets any kind of story arc at all whatsoever throughout the entire movie. And it's not much to speak of. Because it ends on a giant fucking cliffhanger. So there's no real resolution to any of it. Fastbender is just playing subtle evil the entire time. He does it well, but it's nothing we haven't already seen in the Alien franchise. (coughs) <clears throat> Charlize Theron is literally so cold and emotionless that it's a plot point that at one point someone asks her are you a robot yeah and then Guy Pierce is buried under more makeup that I dare to I, I don't know how long in the makeup chair he had to spend because they make him look like he's 95 years old uh, and when he is attempting to act through all that makeup all he's there to do is blurt out exposition. Yeah. It's pretty much all he does. Uh, and then Harris, Wong, and Wilson, 
you probably forgot are even in this movie because that's as much as they get to do. They're there. They they sure are. Look they're there. They're as useful as James Franco in Alien Covenant. It might be a little more useful because they don't die before the first act is over, but not just a scotch, you know, not much. Wow. Uh, That's, yeah. I, for, I forgot how good of a cast that movie had. And now I'm sad. Yeah. Again. The, Idris Elba was just a waste. I mean, he yeah, was he's the I'm captain sorry. of the ship. You'd think he'd have some cool stuff to do. And then he gets a cool, a few cool lines. Um, but if he was played by anybody else, he'd be a completely forgettable character. He's only memorable because it's it, it's Idris Elba. Like the only thing yeah. I remember is the love the one you're with line. Yeah, when he... Playing a little accordion thing. Yeah. It's 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 heartbreaking. Like clearly people were excited to work with with um Wow, my mind is Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, uh, yeah. and they were they were excited to get to do a cool big budget alien sci-fi movie because production value. This movie looks gorgeous. The sets are amazing. The costume design is amazing. The production design is amazing. The cast is phenomenal. <coughs> They're just given absolutely nothing to do for most of the movie, and when they do get something to do, it makes no sense for their character. Uh, or for the script, uh, Charlize Theron is supposed to be this cold-hearted, calculating, super intelligent, go get them, you know, business mogul who's going to take over the company from her dad, but she can't figure out to run sideways when the big ship is rolling towards her. No! Yeah. That's low-hanging fruit, but damn it, this movie gives us lots of low-hanging fruit. Uh, Sean Harris plays the the cartographer who gets lost. Makes sense. The map maker who got lost. Yep. Despite having self-flying uh, uh, laser mapping drone thingies, he he got lost. Yep. Don't touch yeah. the black goo. That's all I know. Whatever you do. Yeah, so again, as soon as you brought this topic up, this is the first one that jumped in my head. Because um, this cast was capable of so much more than they were ever given to work with. <clears throat> I love it, John. I love it. And if you don't mind, since we're talking about disappointment uh-huh. and disappointing sci-fi films that had a pretty good cast. <clears throat> I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and just plow right into the next one. Okay. Sticking with my theme, uh, Harrison Ford, Aza Butterfield, Haley Steinfeld, Abigail Breslin, Viola Davis, and Ben Kingsley were all in this movie. Which, some of the names you might not know, but you you know the faces. You really, you should know most of these cast members. That's another very, half this cast will become super famous in five years cast. Yes. Uh, and the movie I'm talking about, probably one of the biggest disappointments of something that I loved and adored 
in middle school and high school and even as an adult getting turned into just crap. Uh, Ender's Game from 2013. God, why? How do you, you, you fucked it up? Just so mediocre. The, the thing is, they tried so hard. They tried so hard to squeeze everything from Ender's Game, the book, into the movie and make it just one movie. If you ask me, Ender's Game, I thought, was ripe for at least a two or three part film adaptation. I mean, I think you could. Because I think I think what they do is they. And I understand you're trying to get it done. It's, it's a story you want to get told, but they just basically negate his entire time in the at the battle station and the wars that they were having with the teams. It's definitely a dense book and yeah. you could certainly argue it would make a better streaming series. Um, Cause my philosophy is if you can't tell the story in two hours, don't make it a movie. Yeah. Cause that's what a movie has to be to maybe two and a half hours. Uh, you got to have a coherent beginning, middle, and end. We've got to feel like we've grown and got on some kind of... If you can't do that with the story, then it just doesn't need to be a movie. And if you took these actors and actresses and said, hey, we're going to do a, like, a, I don't know, eight, nine episode streaming series and just be done and call it good with one season of this series, you know what I mean? Yeah. They'd have been on board, I'm sure. And because then at least you could have fleshed out the characters a little more. You could have given the actors and actresses something to do. But like, I honestly forgot Abigail Breslin was in this movie. So did I. <laughs> like, and I, I forgot forget, that was Haley Steinfeld too. Yeah, and I forget Viola Davis is in this movie. And like Ben Kingsley, who's probably like. You get yeah. a 50-50 on Ben Kingsley, because for every, yeah. you know, Academy Award-winning depiction of Gandhi, you get, you know, shitty Uwe Boll did it for a paycheck movies from Ben Kingsley. So, 50-50 shot on Ben Kingsley. But he's good in this movie for the five yeah. minutes he's there. Yes. And I, I feel like Harrison just sort of mailed this one in. Um, but again, he didn't give him much to do. Like, Yeah, he wasn't asked to do much. I definitely think, especially with in, in a post Harry Potter world, even though Ender's Game, I'm pretty sure it was written first, the entire battle school and changing not houses but like squads or whatever it is, yeah, and, and learning different lessons that is the meat of that story, yes. And because it's about the midpoint of the movie, yeah, like you said, it gets rushed very quickly. So, what happens is, yeah. The beginning of the movie is pretty accurate. The end of the book is pretty accurate to, to or sorry, or the movie is pretty accurate to the book. But the middle section is like you listen to the audiobook, but at like five times speed. Yes. To get through it. So you, the 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 payoff at the end doesn't feel as impactful because you've cut out the journey to get there. Yeah. It's like they it's like they squeezed in the, oh, we just have to get one person through the gate to win into the into the story just so that they could have the payoff of how he 
blows up the planet. Yeah, if you don't show the failures that lead to the victories, the victory is hollow. Yeah, it, it, it took nothing to achieve, so it means nothing. Yes, and then that and that's part of because again, the whole thing with him being in the school is is the lessons aren't just the lessons at school; it's interacting with the other students, and and everything in that school is a game, is a test. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> and you lose a lot of that. And I, the other thing too is like I feel like they didn't show his failures once he was out of battle school, like because he lost some battles. Yeah. And and he no, just thought just it was a simulation. Right final test. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you just didn't build it up. And yeah, I agree. I think you're right. A streaming series would have been best for this, but I feel Especially, like those are some. Go ahead. Especially given that there's with Ender's Shadow. Yeah. It's like a companion book. Same story as the first book, but told from a different character's perspective. There's lots of ways you could expand that out. Yeah. yeah. And I I hate to, because it it feels like a very common, like, punt kind of excuse. Oh, it's making a streaming series. But, like, legitimately, some books you can cut down due to our story and not lose it. And some you can't. And this is a very, not only are you telling the story of Ender, but like all sci-fi, you're building an entire world that he lives in. Yes. And you really get none of that. You get uh, like one big exposition scene at the beginning, and that's about it. Just a disappointment. It was just a total disappointment. And I really, I think they put together a good group of actors and actresses to do this, but... Very capable young cast, yeah, definitely. Just didn't ask him to do anything. They just... It's a shame. So there you go. Ender's game. We're really on a roll here, John. Jay, this next one's going to hurt. Oh, boy. This popped into my head a couple of times. And I kept, no, I kept going, no, no, no. It's no. And, and then it, it kept popping back in my head. And I was like, all right, no, let's, let's think about this. Let's, let's crunch the numbers. The story or the, the topic is casts that outkick their coverage, which my interpretation means this was an amazing cast that was squandered by the movie we got them in. You know, they did not live up to the potential of the, the movie, failed to live up to the potential of the cast. Yeah. And if you're going to talk about that, Jay, it took until 2010 to get some of the greatest action heroes in the history of cinema into the same movie. I'm talking Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Eric Roberts, Randy Kutcher, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Terry Crews, Mickey Work, Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis, all into one movie. Talking, of course, 2010's The Expendables. And boy, they sure are all in that movie. (laughs) Some of them for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Talk about, and look, I want to say that future, because there's four Expendables movies now. I haven't seen the fourth one yet. I want to say future movies corrected this, but no, they really have it. I'll get to that in a minute. But again, this is an amazing cast for an action movie. And on paper, okay, it's the story of a ragtag group of mercenaries 
<coughs> taking on, sorry, I warned you about the coughing. <clears throat> taking on a corrupt dictator with a you know readily disposable army. It's kind of a 1980s throwback kind of loving love letter to that kind of old school action movies. The cast is absolutely stacked, uh, but they fall completely under the weight of the sheer number of characters they tried to cram into a movie. Uh, no one other than Stallone and Statham get anything resembling a character arc. And in fact, no one has any real motivations to do anything at all, except it's time to go fight. Uh, there are three, three main villains in this story. The plot is a complete fucking mess. I couldn't tell, other than the description I just gave you, I couldn't tell you who anyone is or why they're doing anything they're doing. Because I've forgotten. It's that much of a mess. Uh, and then Arnold and Bruce literally are only in one scene. So they can have them all in the same shot with Stallone. That's it. One scene. That's it. Granted, Arnold was governor at the time, but still. <coughs> so for a movie that was supposed to be like, here you go, man. It's all your 80s icons together. Yeah. Eh. I don't want you to be disappointed, John, but you're going to be disappointed. I've always wanted to watch this, but I still haven't gotten around to it. Because 13 years, Jay, you've had 13 years to sit down and watch Expendables, and you couldn't be bothered to do that. You know what? I'll do it. I will get it done. I will watch it. Uh, Even though you paint a glorious picture of how wonderful this movie is. Look, put it on while you're doing something else and glance at it when you start hearing explosions and gunfire. Okay. Um, uh. yeah. Like I said, I was going to pitch this as, but thankfully they corrected this with the sequels. But no, they really didn't. Um, Expendables 2, story got better. I'll give you that. It got a much streamlined story. You actually have motivation for the characters. You got a much better villain in Jean-Claude Van Damme, who plays a villain named... Villain. Oh, yeah. <coughs> it also adds Chuck fucking Norris. Uh, and then part three adds Mel Gibson, Wesley Snipes, Antonio Banderas, and Harrison freaking Ford. So none of them really deliver on what this whole thing was supposed to be because. <clears throat> no film in the four movies brought together. <coughs> Excuse me. If you were going to sit down and put together Jay, every 80s and 90s badass action star in one movie, you would have, correct me if I'm wrong, Stallone, Arnold, Bruce, Van Damme, Lundgren, Snipes, Brett Lee, Antonio Banderas, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Chuck Norris, Jackie Chan. Maybe Steven Seagal? Yet no single movie in this franchise brought all of them together at the same time to do anything together at all. Ugh. They're all in A and N Expendables movies somewhere. But they're not ever together at the same time. Yes, the second one is much better. The second one understands the flaws of the first. 
Arnold was done being governor so he could actually come be in the movie and not just have a cameo. We actually get Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Stallone together on screen shooting guns and blowing stuff up, not just standing around talking. Um, isn't, it's, is, isn't Terry Crews in the first one, too? I think he's in all three of them. Okay. I have nothing against Terry Crews, but when you tell me 80s and 90s action stars, I don't think Terry Crews. No. Or Randy Couture. Or even Stone Cold City of Austin. I don't really think Jason Statham either, though. That's fair. I think he's more of like a 2000s type. But yeah, he, anyway. wasn't, he, he wasn't on my dream list. <laughs> but yeah. Um, again, two, vast improvement over one. Three, eh, I have not seen four from what I'm told. It's not very good. Um, not terrible movies as far as just disposable, put it on in the background and forget about it till you hear explosion yeah. and gunfire kind of thing. But what was pitched as here we go, this is it. This is the everything in the kitchen sink love letter to old school 80s and 90s action heroes. Four tries and they failed every time to really deliver on that promise. That is. It's unfortunate. You will thoroughly enjoy Stallone's uh, uh, seaplane, though, Jay. Oh, I'm sure I would. It's a very Jay method of transportation. You, you catch him after you inject him. Um, and this did come out, yeah, the same summer Expendables came out. We also got the A-Team reboot and the Losers in the same summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's a good one, John. That's a good one. Oh, this one, this next one. It's, it's painful. It's painful because it's okay, Jay, we can work through it together. It's a sequel. And the first one is good. I don't want to say the first one's great. The first one is a very good movie. Very enjoyable. They let the cast do the things that the cast was good at doing. And they they gave them enough direction and, and made it work out with all these big names. Okay? But again, sticking with my whole theme here. I'm just going to start throwing some names at you. Okay. Here we go. Brad Pitt. Okay. I already know where you're going. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yep. George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Andy Garcia, Bernie Mac, Don Cheadle, Matt Damon, Carl Reiner, among others. Of course, what I'm talking about, 2004's Ocean's 12, not Ocean's 11. Going to disrespect Elliot Gould like that? Which Was one's he not in the second one? Which one's Elliot Gould? The... The guy that stakes him in the first movie. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. He's in that one as well. Sorry, my bad. Um, I was just listing. Anyway. So, it's it's one of those movies that, like, I think was riding the coattails of the success of the first one. Um, but just fell flat on its face. With story, plot development characters everything it's and i don't want to say that it was like a paint by numbers sequel but it was still like oh it's a heist movie 
oh, the big plot twist at the end is that they already pulled off the heist. Even though we just did that in the last movie. Yes, like the the heist was not the heist. The heist had already been completed, and oh, we're going to show you how they did the heist. Oh, you didn't even notice the heist was going on. Crazy. You know, it's just... It's a very rent and repeat sequel, yeah. Yes. Uh, but, like I said, the first one, the first one is good. I'm not going to say it's great. It's a good movie. I'll say it's great. It's cle- It's clever. It's unique. It's got a it, fun cast. Everyone's it, having a good time. Yeah. And, you know, and it's... This one, not so much. Not... My favorite trivia about Ocean's 12. So they shot at least part of it in Italy. And all the stars were just distracted by hanging out in Italy together. But the movie was kind of an afterthought. So when it came out and didn't do so well, they did a third one to make up for how bad Ocean's 12 was. Admittedly. They were like, yeah, we kind of screwed the second one up, so we'll try harder this time. Sorry. Uh, my favorite thing about Ocean's 12 is the Jewel Thief um, laser scene. And where he's where he puts in the, the headphones and does his dance through the lasers to get to. So the song that is playing on his headset like on his like ipod or whatever the song name is uh te element te element it's not in english but the guy who is the jewel thief appears in the music video because he's friends with the band and the only reason he picked that song was because it's his friend's band and he said i won't do it unless we put this song in the movie so Yay, nepotism. But uh, I just thought I like that scene because I think it's kind of unique. And that's probably the only unique thing about the entire movie. Otherwise, the rest of it is very, like you said, rinse and repeat. Been there, done that. And like you said, I don't think they were having the same amount of fun they had in the first one. And I don't think they... Oh, they were having a great time. Just not In Italy. Just not... Hanging out on yachts and getting drunk being hung over for shooting and yep good times <coughs> well at least they didn't try to make another one that involved a female cast that to remake it i never saw oceans eight i didn't either <laughs> so i just want to throw that one out there because it was like the same cast but an awful movie Yep. So I just, yeah. I mean, like the, some of the stuff, and st- a lot of stuff loses its luster from the first one to the second one, like the two brothers being idiots. You know, it's funny. It's kind of got a shtick in the first one. In the second one, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we've seen that. Yeah. So. Well, Jay. Yeah. How about something completely different? Something, here's something completely different. So, Jay, you love, you know, gangsters and and G-Men and, like, 
prohibition era untouchables gangster movies, right? Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> what if I told you we're making one like modern era? Ooh, modern we're era really, gangster. We're well, like it's still set in the forties, but like we're oh, making oh, okay, it okay, now. Okay. So gotcha. we have all the new modern cool visual effects and costume and cool camera tricks. And we're really going to play up at like pulp comic kind of, you know, you'll never catch me alive. Copper kind of you know, enthusiasm and, and, I like, and I like violence. It. And what if I told you the cast consisted of Sean Penn, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Giovanna Ribisi, Josh Brolin, Anthony Mackie, Robert Patrick, yes, the T-1000, Frank Grillo, Michael Pena, and Nick Nolte. Well, you can't fuck that up. <clears throat> you can if you're watching Gangster Squad from 2013. So I've never actually seen this movie, but... A movie that sits at a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. I took Dad to go see this movie, and it was one of the ones I had to say, well, sorry, Dad. Missed <clears throat> that it. sure looked better. Missed it by that much. <laughs> on paper, this movie rocks. It, it's, it's based on the true story, take that with heavy air quotes, of um, uh, mob boss Mickey Cohen moving into L.A. in the late 40s, early 50s. So like L.A. Confidential, that era. Directed by um, the director of Zombieland. So, okay, cool. Fun action. Um, the cinematography is great. The costumes are cool. Like, it looks cool. It looks expensive. It looks stylish. The violence is very violent. It's, it's very in that, like, old-school pulp comic trend of, you know, Tommy guns and 45s and people get mowed down and... But there's no motivation behind it. There's no real characters. Everyone's very one-dimensional. There's no real character arc. There's not really even a story. It's just cops good, mobsters bad for two hours. Sounds like fun. <laughs> it was a very undercooked movie. All the ingredients were there, right? It's like making the cake. All the ingredients were there. Some of them were even in the, the correct proportion. But you undercooked it. So it came out just a sopping mess. And I mean, if you're going to make that era movie, go look at something that was super successful from that like era. And to me, that would be The Untouchables. Like, Well, that was an 80s movie. I know, but I mean, like, you're going to that era, like that about that era. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah, this this should have been Untouchables meets LA Confidential, and it should have been awesome. Especially with that cast. Wait, list those. List them again. Sean Penn, who plays Mickey Cohen, the bad guy. Ryan Gosling is the young hotshot detective. Emma Stone is the I think she's a lounge singer. <coughs> who knows too much? Giovanna Ribisi. Josh Brolin is the head oh. of the gangster squad. Hold on, Giovanni Rubisi. I know that name. Yes, I just can't do. put his face to it right now. IMDb him. As soon as you see his face, you're going to go, oh! Okay. Uh, Anthony Mackie, pre-MCU. Robert Patrick. Frank Grillo, also pre-MCU. Michael Pena and Nick Nolte. 
Ah, Giovanni Rubisi. Yes. Yeah, see, told you. Yes. Okay. You should have just said, uh, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Nick Cage's little brother in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, because that's what immediately springs to mind when I think Giovanni Rubisi. It's not. Who else did you say? Michael Pena. I know mm-hmm. him. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah, but he's in a lot of stuff. He sure is. My goodness. What a cast. <laughs> Stacked, man. Should have been great. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone have chemistry together, but they don't really get to do anything with it. Gee, they should be in a movie together. Like a musical? Yeah. Set in Los Angeles where we just jerk off L.A. for an hour and a half? Yeah. Fuck La La Land. People would see it, right? Hate that movie. I've never watched it, so. Don't. Okay, I won't. You told me I'll watch The Expendables instead. You'll have a better time. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it's an amazing cast. Really cool idea. I was very excited when this came out. It's one of those movies where... My dad saw the poster and was like, oh, we should go see that. And I was like, yes, we should, Dad. That looks awesome. Yes. And then we saw it and we we're like, oh, okay. Well. It's probably the type of movie that my dad would have been like, yeah, let's go see it. And then, because we never did see it, but he probably would have been like, let's go see it. And then would have said, oh, it was okay just to like stop from hurting my feelings. Yeah. You know? Um, Chase looking uh, at something on IMDb. Yeah, sorry, I got sidetracked. Okay, no, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel you on that one. That's tough. That is, that's a tough one. So I'm gonna follow that up with another heartbreaker. All right. Okay. Now, I just want you to picture this. Okay, John, it's 1997. We're in junior high. Got it. Okay. We're going to make... There's a movie that's coming out. Starship Troopers. Okay. This movie has some names in it. Alien Resurrection. Okay. That's all I remember that came out in 1997. Oh, you'll remember this one. Okay. Okay, featuring reappearing on our sir reappearing on our list, George Clooney. Uh Chris O'Donnell. Alicia Silverstone. Should I keep going? Uma Thurman. We're gonna fight. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Alfred Go. Yeah, Vivica Fox is in this movie. I forgot. Mm-hmm. She was Elle McPherson is in this movie. Anyway, the movie that I am talking about is Batman and Robin. What killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> that was terrible. Let me do it again. <clears throat> what killed it? I can't do it. Sorry. What killed the dinosaurs? It was the ice, ice age. age. <laughs> okay. Chill out. Why why are we gonna fight on this one? Go ahead. Do do your thing. It's fine. I just think they're good actors and actresses 
put in the wrong positions for this particular movie. If you were making any other movie other than Batman and Robin with these particular actors and actresses, you could have worked out something better. But you plugged in the wrong people in the wrong spot. (coughs) For example, you made Arnold Schwarzenegger the big beefy bodybuilder into Mr. Freeze instead of the obvious role for him to me, Bane. You don't think so? I'm going to let you finish, Jay. Anyway, I know that this, this movie was, it's hindered in many, many, many other ways. And there's a lot wrong with it other than that. But I just don't think... You you had some na- you had some names in this cast. It's a great cast, yeah. So anyway, that's now you're gonna tell me why I'm wrong. No, to tell you why I disagree. Okay, there's a difference. Okay. Now, yes, 1997, John Peacock very let down by Batman and Robin. Um, because. <coughs> I, like I assume yourself, was raised on a steady diet of Batman the Animated Series. Yes. Which is the only reason I knew who Poison Ivy and Bahini even were. Yep. Uh, now, Mr. Freeze, I saw on the Adam West show. Um, I also saw him on Batman the Animated Series. So, going into this movie, that's what I was expecting. Something with that kind of weight and gravitas of Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, and these tragic characters. And that's not the movie they made. Joel Schumacher did exactly what Warner Brothers wanted, which is he made a 90-minute toy commercial. Lots of bright colors, flashy action, no substance. Uh, He basically made the Adam West TV show on a $200 million budget. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) Because that's what Warner Brothers wanted. That being said, there's a world in a world. Joel Schumacher. Look at his his filmography outside of the two Batman movies. This is a guy who does dark crime dramas and fucking the Lost Boys. Like he is capable of of serious, uh, uh, weighty movies that are still fun. And you look at this cast. And the character Uma Thurman is Poison Ivy. Arnold is is Mr. Freeze. George Clooney is Batman. Uh, they're all cast wonderfully. In a world where the studio fucked off and let uh, uh, the director make the kind of Batman movie he wanted to make, this could have been amazing. Oh, I didn't know he did 8mm. A Time to yeah. Kill? Yeah. The client <laughs> falling down. Jesus. Imagine him doing a Batman film more in line with the entire rest of his filmography than basically doing what the studio said they wanted, which was a 90-minute toy commercial. There's a world out there. It's not ours, sadly. But there's a world where that's the best Batman movie ever made. Okay. I see now, where you're now, coming now, from. Now, Garrett, yes, granted, I'm playing the card of it could have been. Great. Judging just solely on the movie we actually got. Yeah, it's not the greatest. Um, 
it, it again, it's it's like an episode of the Adam West show with a two hundred million dollar budget. Um, but that being said, I have come around on this movie because Batman's a character who's been around for eighty plus years. There have been lots of different incarnations of Batman, and if you're a fan of that nineteen sixties Adam West Cape Crusader, this is your movie. I would watch this movie a million times on repeat before I ever watch Dark Knight Rises again. Okay. And I, I get what you're saying. I I, I mean <laughs> we're in the we're on the same highway, different lanes, let's put it that way. Okay. And and that's fine, because I know I I get what you're saying. I'm just going with the premise of our topic, which was cast that outkick their coverage no you're right no this cast is capable of so much more than they were yes yes they they are playing one note cartoon characters yes and that's why it's like because george clooney i think george clooney was a i think we've had this discussion before i can't remember if we agreed that he's a good bruce wayne but not a good batman or that he was a good batman not a good bruce wayne i think it was He's okay as Batman because the suit does most yeah. of the work. Yes. Uh, he's a good Bruce Wayne, but he only gets, what, like two scenes as Bruce Wayne? Yeah. And we know Chris O'Donnell can do a much better job as Robin because, to me, the unsung hero of this Batman franchise is Batman Forever because I don't think people give that enough credit. Absolutely so. Um, Alicia Silverstone, okay, Batgirl, sure, you can throw her in. That's fine. She's big name at the time. I'm sure she could have done a lot more with what she had. But yes. The biggest problem is Robin kind of gets a storyline. They kind of do the Nightwing thing with him wanting to strike out on his own. Yeah. (laughs) And they do the Alfred's dying thing. And that's pretty much it. Like nobody else really gets any kind of storyline. Or through line. Um we pay lip service to Mr. Freeze's backstory, but we never really dive into it. Uma Thurman, 90s Uma Thurman especially, could have been an amazing... Uh, um, my mind just blank. Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, thank you. Cool. But we got to keep it PG-13 because we got to sell toys, so she can't be too sexy. Now I'm going to go back to your inner world. Yes. Okay. Imagine... Joel Schumacher, sort of Lost Boys type vibe, where it's he's not Robin anymore. He is Nightwing, and he has to work with Batman. You know what I mean? Like they're butting heads, but not butting heads. That would have been a great movie. That well, this was supposed to be the transition movie for Robin because there was going to be another one after this that never got made. Yeah. Where he would go full Nightwing. <sighs> so, yeah. Good night. Anyway. Good pick. Like yeah, I said, this, same highway, different lanes. This, this entire cast and crew and director were capable of delivering so much more. But the studio's like, no, we just want to sell toys. Just give us a 90 minute glorified toy commercial. Make sure Batman changes his bat suit every other scene. And give us lots of vehicles to put them in so we can sell yep. more toys. And but to his credit, uh, that's what they wanted with Batman Forever. And Schumacher didn't quite understand what they meant. 
so he 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 sort of made a Joel Schumacher Batman. You know, there's some kind of uh, uh, weight to the characters in in arc to them and whatnot. Uh, the choosing to be a Batman thing. But the second time around, Schumacher was like, "Oh, I get it. You just want a toy commercial. Okay, sure, I can do that." Man, now I want to go back and watch Batman Forever again. It's a good one. Under uh, criminally underrated movie. It is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. All right, Jay. Yeah. For this one, I have to give full credit to Whitney. Okay. Because she suggested this. Okay. And at first, I rolled my eyes and told her to shut up. And then I thought about it. And I was like, no, no. No, she's right. Like, she's not just trolling me. She might be trolling me, but she's also right. Jay. Yeah. This movie stars. I'm going to go bottom up. Lance Henriksen. Fiona Shaw. Samantha Mathis. Fisher Stevens. Jean Leguizamo. Dennis Hopper. And Bob Hoskins. Do, 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 do. Oh, no. The <laughs> Super Mario Brothers from 1993. Now, <laughs> Whitney loves to throw this movie at me because she unexplicably lies and tells people she enjoys this movie, which I know she doesn't because no one really likes this movie. It's just it's all you had for 30 years. You had to learn to like it, but it's okay. We have a better one now. Anyway, <laughs> so normally when she throws this movie at me, it's because she's giving me a hard time. But, Jay, this list, okay? Fiona Shaw, three primetime Emmy nominations, one BAFTA TV win, two BAFTA TV nominations. Fisher Stevens, who plays Iggy Koopa, uh, one Oscar for Best Documentary. He was a producer, four time primetime Emmy nominations, and a Screen Actors Guild Award winner. John Leguizamo, one primetime Emmy, three nominations one SAG Actors Guild uh, nomination, and I had to write this down because it tickled me, one Blockbuster Entertainment Award nomination. <laughs> Remember those? Nice. Remember those? <clears throat> Dennis Hopper, two Oscar nominations, a Primetime Emmy nomination, and two Golden Globe nominations. Bob Hoskins, one Oscar uh, nomination, one BAFTA Award winner. This is a stacked cast. For a Bam. movie that was just terrible. There's, I'm, I'm gonna let you, you know, keep going on this. I just want to throw out there's only one line from this movie that I actually enjoy, and that's when they're in in jail, like they're Mario, getting... Mario. How many Mario's? There's, there's how many... Mario, Mario. There's Luigi Mario. How many Mario's how many between the two of you? There's three. three. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's the only part that I actually laugh at and think is funny. The rest that is, of it is crap. That is the lasting impact of this movie on Mario Cannon because um, Mia, Miyamoto, the game designer who built Mario, laughed at that bit so hard he decided that was canon. So Mario's name is Mario Mario. Mario Mario. And Luigi is Luigi Mario. Because they are the super <laughs> Mario, Mario brothers. brothers. Yes. Uh, so, look, I don't know what to say about this movie that hasn't already been said in the last 30 years, but this was not at all what 
anybody wanted from a Mario movie. Whether nope. you were a kid who loved the game or the financiers who backed the movie from the studio or Nintendo, this was not at all what anyone wanted. They hired two unknown directors. I think it was a husband-wife duo who had this pitch of let's make it like Blade Runner. And let's ignore, granted the games at that point didn't have a whole lot of lore, but let's ignore all that and just do our own thing. And we'll call it Mario Brothers and people will come out and see it. Let's elevate this above being just a video game. So any element of this movie that has a name from Mario is there in name only. Yep. Like the Goombas. <laughs> yeah. King Koopa looks nothing like King Koopa. Even at the end when we spent money to do terrible CGI, he looks nothing like King Koopa. The Mushroom Kingdom looks nothing like the Mushroom Kingdom. There's, the plot is barely Mario. Uh, the Mario Brothers, they're plumbers. They find a portal. They follow through it. They go to a different world. That's it. That's all that's Mario. Everything else involves a, a meteor rock and parallel dimensions and a reality where people evolved from dinosaurs, not from apes, and an uprising, and uh, King Koopa, a recurring bit about King Koopa ordering a pizza with mammal on it, to which we never actually find out if he got his pizza or not. It's an open thread we've, we've yet to close off. Uh, Yoshi's there, kind of. There's a dinosaur. They call him Yoshi. Is it Yoshi? Not really. Such a terrible movie. And I remember being a kid in like, because when did this come out? 92? 93. 93. So I remember being a kid and I'd have been eight years old at the time wanting like the toys, like the Super Mario Brothers movie toys with the that were wearing the special jump boots. And I was just like, Oh, it'd be so cool to have those, even though I'd never seen the movie. And then I finally saw the movie and I'm like, this is terrible. Why did I ever think this was cool? The Their jumpsuits, by the way, that was the studio mandate. If it was up to the directors, they never would have been wearing their signature overalls at all. Jesus. Yep. Did not understand their fan base, did not understand the assignment. Uh, they were given way too much freedom and money. And uh, look, say what you want about it. If you've lied to yourself for 30 years and convinced yourself you like it, it's the film that kept Nintendo from licensing their properties to be movies to anyone for almost 30 years. We're and, uh, just now getting out from under this movie. And I, let me tell you, the new Super Mario Brothers movie is amazing. Yes, it is everything this one isn't. And I mean it's, that in the best way possible. It's so good. The voice acting... The plot, the story, the, the animation, the Easter animation, eggs. everything, <laughs> the Koopa songs. Yep. Beaches, 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 beaches. Jack Black. Uh, and it was just announced today. A live action Legend of Zelda is in the works. Nice. So thank you. The Super Mario Brothers movie from 2023 for making a billion dollars and convincing Nintendo it's okay to make movies out of their properties again. And fuck you, Super Mario Brothers from 1993. You know what you did. But 
This cast is awesome. Bob Hoskins, yeah. Dennis yeah. Hopper, John Leguizamo. Those three right there, I would watch do one act plays together. Like this, awesome. Uh, Fisher wow. Stevens, you know, very off the ropes uh, left field casting. Fiona Shaw has nothing to do, but she does a lot with it. And uh, Lance Hendrickson for five seconds as King Koopa. He uh, has like one line of dialogue. What? Uh, wait, what was it? Fisher Stevens? Yeah, he plays one of the uh, Koopa cousins. He was big in the nineties. He was in all kinds of shit. He was in Hackers. <coughs> he was in uh, Short Circuit. It's the Indian. Okay, Day. gotcha. Even though he's not remotely Indian, makes sense. Yeah, it was the eighties. Huh. Uh, so yes, Whitney. I don't know if you brought this up just to troll me or not, but it was, I, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? No, she's she's right. This cast solid is pick. way better than this movie. Yeah, solid pick. All right, I have one more, John. Hit me with a J. Okay, this has to be the most egregious sort of false advertising for a movie that I can remember. Honestly, it is, it, it, it sold itself as something that it wasn't just to get butts in the seats. I think. All right. But we already talked about Prometheus and Mario brothers. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, Kate Beckinsale, Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Gardner, John Voight, Cuba motherfucking Gooding Jr., Michael Shannon. You know Michael Shannon. If you don't, you know the Zod name himself. Yeah. And then Ewan Bremner. Okay, that may, that name might not be familiar, but if you look up Ewan Bremner, his face, his face will you'll recognize. Didn't Danny Aykroyd get a cameo on that? Dan Aykroyd did also appear in this movie. Best part of the movie, of course. What I'm talking about from 2001, the movie that we didn't want to get but got anyway, Pearl Fucking Harbor. That movie sucks. Probably missed the point. It is bad. It is a bad movie. I'm just going to say it. It's bad. You sold us a movie called Pearl Harbor where the name of the movie is only about 5% of the total runtime, if that. Maybe a little longer. <clears throat> the attack is a decent chunk. The The problem is it's like an hour into the movie. Yes. And it was sold as like, if you remember the previews, because I remember the previews to me, the previews sold it as the entire, the entirety of the movie would be focused on the attack on Pearl Harbor. And they and like Cuba Gooding Jr. was like a super prevalent force in the trailers. He was playing one of the only characters based on an actual person, too. Yes. And he was in it 
for what 10 15 minutes of screen time he he is yeah he has nothing to do with them he's a he's a side plot yes he you know i forget jennifer garner's in this movie because her character like she's not super well known at the time but what a waste of talent um john voight john voight as fdr and he again gets what like 10 minutes worth of screen time because it's not about him yeah it's not about pearl harbor either what's it really about jay uh it's about love it's about a love triangle yeah two best friends who both try to knock up the same woman but one succeeds and the other doesn't oh no she's pregnant she's throwing up uh Kate Beckinsale, yeah. what a waste! You just you, because I've seen she's she's in um oh 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 the Underworld, Underworld right? Uh-huh. I've seen her in Underworld. I know what she can do as a badass, and she gets relegated to damsel in distress, love piece. <laughs> like that's it. I mean, what does she do? She holds her finger in some guy's neck for. You know, some amount of time. Ben Affleck, I like. We we went from we went from Goodwill Hunting to this, but this started a run of very terrible movies. I think for Ben Affleck, yeah, he was. This was right after Armageddon, and he was sort of at that brink of like, we think he could be a leading man. Yeah. And and like the problem is too like. <clears throat> anyway, go ahead. The problem is this movie doesn't give a shit about Pearl Harbor or the events of Pearl Harbor. Those are all afterthoughts. Those are big exposition dumps. The story's not about that. The story's about the love triangle. That's where our time and attention and focus is on, is the love triangle. And then the attack happens, and it's a Michael Bay, Jerry Bruckheimer thing. So lots of explosion porn. You know, the attack yep. itself. Lots of cool, you know, this is a guy who would go on to do Transformers, so lots of big noisy stuff. But it misses, again, like the guy from South Park pointed out in, in their song, it, it missed the it missed the point. Yeah. It gives you blood and carnage and destruction with no no context or or idea of what the sacrifice was. For one of the most significant historical events in in u.s military history or u.s history in general there's very little history in this movie cuba Gooding jr is one of a handful of characters based on real people telling a real story and again he's an afterthought he's not even a b plot he's a c plot yeah if you took his entire storyline from this movie it would total maybe 15 minutes yeah because we got to have scenes of you know Kate Beckinsale in 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 uh what's his name? Josh the other Hartnett. Guy. Josh Hartnett making out in in a parachute canopy, <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> then, as if that wasn't bad enough, they have the fucking gall to take on the story of the Doolittle raid. Yeah, as if it's some kind of coda to give our and and again even then we can't just tell the story of the Doolittle raid cuz cuz who's on the raid Jay the two guys in the love triangle yeah yeah the two guys in the love triangle can they that, get along that and it's not a, like okay 
and I know this is going to, this might, it's not nitpicking, but it is nitpicking. It's the fact that these two guys, not just these two guys, but all these pilots are trained to be fighter pilots that are now stuck in bombers. I'm sorry, but bomber pilots and fighter pilots were trained. I'm sure they're trained separately. Like they're not, you're not flying the same machine here. And all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, they're qualified to fly this. They're the only people in the air, sorry, Army Air Corps, because the Air Force wasn't thing yet, with real world fighter experience, fighting experience. <coughs> or whatever the bullshit line was. I guarantee you that none of the Doolittle Raider bomber pilots were fighter pilots. And if they were, they went, they trained heavily on the B-25 Mitchell before actually switching. <sighs> so it's my, I, that that's another cast that, like I said, I just don't, it was so frustrating. No, again, that's, that's first of all, the script was a mess because yes. it was going for Titanic, which is a love story set during a historical uh, uh, event that happens to be a tragedy. So you have that yin and yang of the joy and ecstasy of young love with the horror of this big tragedy. Problem is Titanic is about essentially a natural disaster that sunk a ship. Yep. Pearl Harbor it's about a surprise attack on a Navy uh, shipyard that led thousands of deaths and sprung word the U.S. into World War II. Not exactly the same thing. No. If you were going for that, you should have done, you know, the Hindenburg and set, you know, a love story on the Hindenburg. Because, <laughs> again, to make a movie about Pearl Harbor, awesome. Good idea. Cool. And give it this huge budget and give it the gravitas it, it deserves and, and, and really drive home the humanity behind the history. Cool. Great ideas. And then you shove this love story in with a bunch of fake made up characters so you can shoehorn them into somehow being in every important thing that happened during that event. Yep. And then. I don't know. I don't know where well, I'm going with We can't that. end it on a downer. We we can't end it on we got bombed. Oh, that's too bad. No, we gotta we get because Michael Bay is a fucking frat boy who somehow got a license to make multi million dollar movies. Uh we gotta end it on a big rah rah get him America thing. So the do little raid. Yep. That's what the third act is about now. Yep. You know, making a love story that revolves around Pearl Harbor is kind of like that other movie that there's a love story where the big plot twist at the end is, is it, uh, uh, Oh, Robert Pattinson's character is in the twin towers. That, (laughs) that literally comes out of nowhere. Yeah. There's yeah. there's absolutely nothing at all to, to set that up before it happens. Yeah. But it was yeah. not quite that bad, but I just Yeah, it it yeah. Um wow. When I like again, when I thought of movies that 
cast that outkick their coverage. Pearl Harbor is a trash movie. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's a trash movie with a lot of really good big name actors and actresses yeah. in it that with a with a better script and a better director, this could have been a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and it could have done for Pearl Harbor what like Saving Private Ryan did, which is sort of humanize these great historical events. Yes. And, and and teach us about them from the point of view of the people who were there when it happened, not just names and dates and, and events in a history book. It could have like, been that, but you could have had Kate Beckinsale as like a nurse that was there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that there were people that were there. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, again, and that, that's the thing. If you're going to tell the story of Pearl Harbor, don't go make up characters. Like tell their story. Yeah. Tell the real people's stories. Cause Look there at, were plenty of people that were there that lived that you could. I love saving private Ryan. But Saving Private Ryan is all fictional characters telling a story based on true events, but it's a fictional story. The best World War II thing, Band of Brothers, because those are real events yeah. that happen to real people. And we're watching those well, actors playing those real people. So yes. every bit of the humanizing these events has added weight to it because these things really happened to these real people it's a re- we're not you know, granted it's a movie so we, we dress it up a little bit but <clears throat> in the back of your mind it's these aren't made up characters in a movie these were real people like just imagine a pearl harbor movie about pearl harbor with this cast where we spend the first third of the movie getting backstory and learning about these characters and actually being connected to them so that when the attack happens, we actually have an emo- heaven forbid an emotional connection to our characters, so that it punches us a little bit harder and we feel it the same way, you know. Let's, but no, let's have them go out drinking and fly P forty Warhawks and play a chicken shirts, yeah. you, you know. God damn yep. it, it, got me all riled up. Pearl Harbor gets me riled up because they <sighs> just fucked it up so bad. It's it like did. Dunkirk. <laughs> Why'd you got to bring Dunkirk into it? <laughs> At least Dunkirk had real planes in it. That was cool. That's the one nice thing I'll say about Dunkirk. <clears throat> the aerial photography sure was cool. <laughs> Ah, uh, so there you go. I'm 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 tapped out. Well, I think that's a pretty good list, Jay. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so there you go, folks. Those are the movies we feel had casts that outkicked their coverage. Um, the movies were terrible or disappointing or somewhere in that spectrum, but the casts in them were definitely capable of much more, much more better. Um, more gooder yeah much more gooder movies than what they were in so let us know what are some movies you think had casts that outkicked their coverage Um, do you agree with our choices do you disagree with our choices do you have some movies you want to hear us talk about let us know in the comments and maybe we'll bring it up next time but until then this has been your weekly nerd alert Pearl Harbor sucks